Hello and welcome back to another episode of De Stefano Talks, talking Scottish football and this is episode number 20. We are officially two episodes away from the end of the season. On the podcast today we will be recapping all the action from the Scottish Cup semi-final between the games of St Mirren and St Johnston as well as Dundee United and Hibernian. Also on the podcast today we will be looking at our Player of the Year, Young Player of the Year and Manager of the Year nominations and we will also be discussing which three players should be added into Steve Clark's squad for the Euros because as we know we are now allowed to take 26 players to the Euro and there's three spots that have opened up that uh, need to be filled. On the podcast with me today, as always, is Lewis. Lewis, how are you doing? You're not too bad, Steph. I'm pleasure as always. Good stuff. Also, we have Declan. Declan, how are you doing? Good, mate. It's good to be back on. No, good to have you back, mate. And also on the podcast, who's becoming somewhat of a regular, it is Adam Kennedy. Adam, how are you doing? I'm very well, thank you, Stefan. Yeah, delighted to make it uh, three in a row. So thank you very much for having me for a third week on the spin. No, it's all good, mate. I'm glad to have you on. Let's just get into it then with the the first game of the weekend, which was Dundee United and Hibernian. Going into this one, who did you expect to win? It's a bit of a strange one because obviously I'd say Hibs were probably the, the, the favourites going into it. But, you know, you've seen Dundee United's last result in the Cup. It was a 3-0 win against Aberdeen. So you felt as though if they could turn up, they could maybe have a chance. But as I say, Hibs, you would expect to be favourites going into the game and and then they came out winning. That's sort of the result that was expected. Dundee United, I think they did put up a sort of a bit of a fight and could have, could have scored a few in the game. But no, uh, I thought the favourites went through in that one. Uh, what about yourself, Declan? Yeah, I think for for both semi-finals, it was kind of who I expected to go through. Did go through, so I wasn't too surprised when when Hibs went through. Um, I think as Lewis was saying, like Dundee United had chances, and I know Mickey Mellon was frustrated with the. The kind of offside instant, but he's got to look uh, his own side, not taking their chances. I think they had quite a few, albeit Hibs with the better side. Um, I think Hibs pretty much got their tactics spot on. I think they they utilised their, their big players well in the top end of the park, and they were all holding the ball up very well with Boyle running off them, and it was just causing Dundee United a lot of a lot of kind of problems. And then. Obviously, that's where the Nisbet's first goal comes from, and the ball gets held up by Irvin, I think, and he plays it off to, to Nisbet, and arguably one of the best finishers, well, not arguably, I'd say he's one of the best finishers in this country, obviously, this season with the goals he scored. So, um, yeah, not not really a surprise for me, and I think Jack Ross did get his tactics spot on, they deserve to be in the final. Um, what did you think, Adam? Yeah, I think the, the league table doesn't lie, does it? And ultimately, it was sort of looking at that Premiership table, what, what we all expected in the Hibs and St. Johnston obviously advanced to a, to a, a cup final, another Hamden meeting between the two this season, obviously having met in the uh, the Betfred Cup semi-final as well. Mm. Looking at the game, should Harks have put Dundee United 2-0 up very early on? He had two brief chances. Um, was he unlucky or, or could he have, done, could he have sort of done more to, to ensure that the ball went in the back of the net, uh, Lewis? Yeah, it's one of his runs, you know, I think he, he does sort of perfectly with his sort of run off of Shanklin, you know, it's just that touch, you know, you see it comes to him and all he needs to do is take that first touch, get ahead there, sort of Portis and put the ball away, but I think Marvin uh, Bartley mentioned it, maybe it could be something like a little bit of nerves, you know, start of the game at Hamden Park and he's got a chance early on to, to put them on the up, but it's just that touch that lets him down. What about yourself, Adam? 
yeah, I think it's uh, it's a decent opportunity for United, particularly well the first one after Josh Doyle gives possession away so cheaply. I mean, I'm I'm a big fan of his, um, but United seem to to break pretty well. Um, I I agree with Lewis and that it's a terrible touch from Ian Harks, but I don't think that the pass from Lauren Shankland is a great help either. I think for me, it could perhaps come that little bit sooner, or obviously goes without saying he's looking to play a better pass um, which probably then equals a better touch and Ian Harks then surely buries it uh, and Declan yeah I mean when you're up against Hibs and the, the kind of firepower they've got in the top you know you're going to concede a lot of chances which they did so Dundee United have, have got to take the ones that they can get and I thought obviously when Dodge gave it away and he was kind of slipped through he, he's got to show show more composure there to to finish it. I know it's a semi final at Hamden, but you know you could maybe argue if if there was fans there and kind of they kind of you know got on top of him a wee bit. But I just feel as if like he had to show more composure there to, to finish that off. I think was that not a nil nil. So mm-hmm. if he if he scores that, then that could change the complexion of the game. So he's got to do better. Okay. Uh, cool finish from Nisbet, but was the goal self-inflicted damage with the the poor defensive header from Reynolds? Because the ball goes up in the air and Reynolds sort of knocks it down instead of headering it away and it, it falls to a Hibs player. Was it self-inflicted or was it just great, great play from Hibs, Adam? Uh, I feel it was fairly self-inflicted to be honest. I actually thought it was Liam Smith at right back. Yeah, I think it was. The initial yeah. Header. yeah. And I think Mark Reynolds at centre-half probably has to get out that little bit quicker. Um, I think for, you know, a forward of Kevin Nisbet's calibre, it was 17 goals the season prior to that chance. It's virtually inevitable that he makes it 18 with a smart finish sort of on the edge of the area. It's a, it's a decent strike um, and a decent position with which he finishes, you know, with a plum. Lewis? Yeah, I think it's, it's a great finish. Like, I think he makes it look easier than what it is you know I think you have to get that spot on the way he's put it in the corner past moment so it's, it's a great finish from this but as you say the Dundee United defence they would be hoping to do better with Smith's header I think in the sort of opening stages he wasn't great in, in the game so with that header you just need to get it away and go rather than up in there and be, they'll be wishing they did better with that one Declan? Yeah it's a bit of both for me I think self-inflicted obviously could do better um, clearing the ball away but I, I think Hibs knew what they were doing. Like look like looking back to obviously what I was saying about they're kind of they were putting high they were putting high balls at times up up top to, to big men and it was it was falling because they knew if the, the ball falls to, to either Dodge or Nisbet they're, they're clinical and they're gonna score. So I think it, it's a bit of both. But yeah, it's a it's a tidy finish and it it's one that I'm I'm not surprised um by because of how good Kevin Nisbet's been this season. Mm. We often talk about the inconsistencies of refereeing in Scottish football. Christian Doidge scored Hibbs' second goal of the, the afternoon, but he was about a yard offside, was it was he not, Lewis? Yeah, it's extremely poor. You sort of see it on the replay that he has a good yard offside. It's I don't even think the linesman's in a dreadful position. He's looking right along the line, so it's pretty poor to, to miss that one, especially, you know. One of the one of uh, Dundee United's biggest games this season, decisions like that. You know the Dundee United defence actually do the right thing, stepping up and playing him offside, but then it's the assistant referee that lets him down a bit with that one. Adam, yeah, he is offside, but in in fairness, I think sort of as you're watching it on the telly with the the angle that the camera's at, 
um, when I first saw it, I, I wasn't so sure. Um, it appeared initially as though Jamie Robson at left back, I think it is, looks as though he's playing big dodge uh, onside, but can't take anything away from the finish. It was absolute textbook and, and two great goals and thoroughly deserved for, for Hibs to, to be two up, in my opinion, there. Declan? Yeah, he was offside, but but as Adam's saying, like maybe from the, the linesman's point of view, the Dundee United left-back was kind of maybe in his way, but it's hard to, to kind of get them right, albeit as offside, that, you know, it's the Hibs quick interchanges of play and playing through the Dundee United defence might have played a, a wee part and, you know, how the linesman just maybe took his eye off it, but yeah, tidy finish and another one where it was just pay, placed perfectly right in the corner. I don't think anyone's going to take away the the sort of calibre of finish it was from Christian Dodge, but if you're the Dundee United manager, you're you're surely looking at that and saying, well, if they don't get that that sort of luck that that they got, that the the game is still there for Dundee United to chase. Once it's two 0 that you know you've you've then got a mountain to climb. Surely the referee and the linesman sh- must be working together to to realise that it, it definitely was offside because. When I saw it on the, the highlight package and I, I seen the ball getting played through, I was like, he's offside there. And I, I could see that, but I, I had the vantage point of the camera. But surely the referee and linesman, they have to do better there to, to get that decision right because that's, that's a really poor decision. Is it not, Lewis? I suppose it's these fine margins for Dundee United in this cup semi-final, you know, the offside decision, the Liam Smith header. It's all about those fine margins and, you know... The assistant referee, these these are sort of calls you rely on, especially when a Dundee United defence step up like that. So, as a bit a bit of a poor one. Adam, I totally echo what Lewis says with the sort of fine margins because we were on about sort of an Ian Hart's chance early. There's another one where there's a header and nobody's picking Ian Hart's up, so I think he can afford a couple yards, um, sort of to run into. If I'm honest, which probably means that he's not having to stretch from the ball. I think it is from Mark McNulty out on the right. Um, but listen, to win tournaments, you need quality. You still need that bit of luck. And Hibs, you can say what you like, but obviously they're now in the final having progressed on penalties against Motherwell and been somewhat fortunate for, for the second goal against United. But to be honest, on the balance of play, I thought it was a, a thoroughly deserved win for, for Hibernian. Uh, Declan? Yeah, I mean... Mickey Mellon's obviously is frustrated with the decision and you can understand why, but as I said before, like Dundee United had chances as well mm. to, you know, even take the lead, obviously with Ian Hart's chance and then who knows what happens from there. So it's easy to say now, like, oh, what have happened if they rolled out the second goal? Maybe we could have made it one each. But if Ian Hart scores that, that goal early on, it could have been 1-0 and it, the game could have went the complete opposite way. But I just think, in you know, Dundee United had chances and, they didn't take them, so Hibs did deserve to go through. Okay, um, let's just finish off on Matt Macy. He made a great stop to deny uh, Lauren Shankland at, at 2-0. Uh, one that could, you know, you, you see in other games that he probably would have scored because the keeper wouldn't have got down that fast. How good of an acquisition is Matt Macy signing on for a two-year deal considering Ophir Marciano is, is on his way out of Hibs at the end of the season? Uh, Adam? He certainly seems to have uh, have cemented his place as kind of first choice for for Hibs going forward. Um, I actually think, considering that he appears to be slipping, I think it's a, a decent ball from Mark McNulty, to be honest. But mm. lovely bit of evasive movement from Lauren Shanklin to obviously evade his man, 
uh, before sending it goalward. And for a big guy, I mean, you see everywhere that Matt Macy's six foot seven. I think that was the case when Hibs signed him. Um, he does very well to get down and reach what looked an inevitable goal for me. Um, Lewis? Yeah, I think Adam's spot on with the, the Shanklin chance. You know, you see this with lots of strikers. It's a great bit of movement. He sort of makes a movement towards the, the back post and then sprints to the front post. It's a great ball in by uh, McNulty. And it's, a, it's a good save from Macy. And as you say, I think he will be a good signing. You know, Marciano, he's been a good keeper for Hibs over the last few years and now he's moving on. But they seem to have got their replacement nice and quickly. And you would expect them to be in, in between the six come the end of the season and next season. Uh, Declan? Yeah, I think Hibs will be glad to, to have replaced Marciano. I don't think any Hibs supporters could maybe have predicted that they would kind of get an instant replacement. And I suppose time will tell as the kind of games move on and next season approaches. But um, it was it was kind of chance maybe, you know, as Adam was saying, he thought it was looking goalward. Like, I, I genuinely thought that Shanklin would have probably scored. He's, he's quite a clinical player. I know he's, he's not been maybe as clinical as what he, he was in the championship before, but it was it was one I thought would go in. It was a it was a great save, and Hibs will be glad they've they've got him going forward, and they've they've made a replacement that quickly. Okay, uh, Hibs make it to the final. Let's move on to the battle of the Saints between St Mirren and St Johnston. Uh, before the game, uh, Declan, you said that you know you weren't surprised by you know the teams that reached the final. So so we got your answer early on. Um, Lewis, what about yourself? Before the game, who who did you realistically see going through on that one? Yeah, I think there's no sort of look. I think we spoke about sort of similar in the season when Livingston went on a run. You know, there was a point where we were like, well, I can't see past Livingston winning, but now it's sort of St. John's time. And when they're going into games, whoever it's against, you know, you're expecting them to sort of come out as winners. And they were favourites going into it. And they've obviously won the game, and now they've got another cup final to look forward to. Adam? Yeah, I think given their uh, their Betfred Cup exploits that St Johnston were, were the favourites for me heading into this one. And I actually predicted 2-1 on past the mic, so there you go. <laughs> nah, okay. Uh, let's let's look at the game then. Should St Mirren have had a penalty early doors, uh, Lewis? It's a hard one because I can see sort of both sides, you know. He's had the shot and it looks as though it's heading towards goal, so it's hit. His hand, so you could say it's a penalty, but again, what is the handball uh, handball rule nowadays? Like, I don't think um, this sort of knows because it is very close to him. So, is there a way you could is that unnatural position? You know, there's just so many rule changes now. Who knows if it's a penalty or no? Declan, I think it's a penalty. I mean, I know like they're close, you know, in proximity to each other, but I think like the way the ball's going and it is traveling towards the goal. And, I know like when the, the defender kind of moves her body, the, the arms kind of need to go with it or else, you know, they'll fall flat and they're asking, I think. So, um, it, it was one of them that is, is a tough one and, you know, because he is so close, people will say, is, it, is that fair? But to be honest, I do think it was a penalty. Adam? I, I sort of echo both the guys' thoughts. I mean, it is going goalwards, but... I don't really know where Jamie McCart, I think it is, is meant to put his hand, to be honest. I just think it's such a sort of common occurrence in the game these days that we sort of, as football fans and those with an interest in the game, ought to have a bit more clarity, like Lewis says, because I just think we need a, a definitive handball rule. Because it's, it's the type that you sometimes see given and equally not, so... 
Okay. Um, Xander Clark made a crack and save uh, to deny St Mirren. Um, is he starting to sh- sort of potential starting to sort of grow a little bit? And you know, could could he see himself getting a move to a to a bigger club, or, or do you think he's he's probably happy where he where he's at with uh, St Johnston, uh, Adam? I don't see why he'd want to leave St Johnston. To be honest, I I just feel as though. If St. Johnston can keep a hold of their players, they've got a right good young squad. Um, and, I mean, his save from Lee Irwin is just a phenomenal stop. Um, again, going back to past the mic, I was having this very discussion, and upon reflection, I don't feel as though there's a lot more that Lee Irwin can do. Um, it's a great ball from Christian Dennis on the left-hand side, virtually you know, on a plate for his strike partner who gets it on target at a ferocious pace, but it's a top stop from a, a very underrated goalkeeper in my eyes. Uh, Declan? Yeah, I think for it, obviously every every good team needs a solid goalkeeper. We've seen that this season with the Rangers and how crucial Al McGregor's been. And to, to be successful and win trophies, you need, you need a good goalkeeper. And I think that that's why St. Johnson have got a, a chance, obviously, going and doing the double now. Sander Clark's performed well this season when they've needed him and in terms of the game I thought there was nothing there wasn't a lot to split both teams and he came up he came up trumps a few times with, with a couple of good saves and especially that one that you're talking about it was a crucial save and his anticipation there was brilliant um and he just got he's just got a knack of being in the right place to to save to save shots at times and I think it is a, a obviously good attribute to have as a goalkeeper but in terms of him staying that St Johnson, it's it's a hard one to predict as as Adam was saying, they've they've got a decent squad and I actually think if they, they manage to do keep some key players they can push on again and maybe even challenge, you know, Aberdeen and catch them at a good time because they're obviously going through their transitional phase. Who knows? But um he's twenty eight now and stuff, so I, I think it, it would be one of the ones if he was to leave it would be for like another team maybe in, in the SPFL. Mm. Uh Lewis, what about yourself? I think with this, the sort of save, he probably doesn't know much about it, but it's sort of brilliant goalkeeping to make himself bigger. And as Adam mentions, you know, Lehrn probably can't do much more. He gets a touch on it, but Clark's just in the way. He seems to be sort of on inspired form at the moment. He'll be looking forward to a cup final, you know. In terms of moving on, at the age he's at, I think I could see him staying at St. Johnson. But at the same time, I think his contract's up next summer. So if he was to move somewhere, it would be elsewhere in the, the SPFL Let's see how Matt Macy does. Maybe that'll be something that comes about with Hibs or something. But now I think I can see him staying at St Johnston. Okay. Um. Should St Johnston have seen red for a ferocious challenge on Doyle Hayes, Adam? Um. David Wotherspoon doesn't win the ball, but play is allowed to continue. So I actually think it's decent officiating for once. Um. <laughs> given that he he goes back to book David Wotherspoon, but whether it merits a red card. I'm not entirely sure, to be honest. Um, I, I would say that the referee got it right on this occasion, personally. Declan? I'd, I'd also agree that um, the, the referee got it right. You know, it, it's, a, it's a kind of reckless challenge, but if uh, like obviously he's looking at the balance of play and how like, they're progressing forward and stuff, so he's, he's, he's not gave like the foul, but... Um, I'm not. I'm not sure. I think. I think probably was the correct decision. Uh, Lewis, what about yourself? Yeah, it's not often you get sort of three people agreeing with the referee, but I think he does get it spot on. You know, Wotherspoon 
he doesn't win the ball. He does catch Doyle Hayes, but I think it's not enough to to merit the red card. You know, I thought the yellow was the the right call from Willie Hall. Okay. Um, great finish from Chris Kane, but could St Mirren have done better, Adam? Yeah, I think they'll be disappointed. Um, I've got to be honest. I think the the introduction of of Glenn Middleton, you could argue, changed the game. Um, it's a well worked goal. Obviously, Callum Booth does what Lauren Shanklin couldn't for United um, with Ian Harkes' chance, and I believe it's a perfectly timed pass to Glenn Middleton. Lovely first time ball and a good finish from Chris Kane, which you could perhaps argue um, was against the run of play um, and had St. Johnson ahead. Um, and yeah, I just feel as though perhaps, I think is it Joe Shaughnessy sliding in with him has got mm-hmm. to sort of get the other side ideally. Um, but a, a very disappointing goal to concede because I, I don't feel as though St. Mirren are all that weak at the back, to be honest. I actually think that's probably one of, if not their strongest area. Lewis, what about yourself? Yeah, no, I definitely agree. That's... Probably not a goal. You, uh, Jim Goodwin will be. It'll be a goal that Jim Goodwin's frustrated with. You know, not one they want to concede. I think they've sort of counted, uh, caught them a wee bit on the the counter in terms of win the ball back and attacking. And Middleton's just got a bit too much space in the left. He's like to pick up his head and just put a ball in. And it's good anticipation from Chris Kane to sort of get across and and win the ball first. But you know, you'd expect the marking to be a, a little bit better with that one and get ahead of your man. Declan. Yeah. I'd echo what Adam has to say about Middleton coming on changing the game. You know, mm. he's technically very good, and there's a reason why Rangers are loaning him out and they don't want to lose him because they obviously see that he he has a talent kind of going forward. And to bring on, like, obviously another great decision for Callum Davidson, and it's the kind of decisions that that get you cup finals and win you win you cups because bringing him on definitely changed the game. Another outlet with with good good ball in to the box and it's one of the balls that you just you just need to throw yourself at and that's the kind of player Chris Kane is you know you just he's he's quite physical and he'll just throw himself at kind of crosses and and different kind of balls in and it, it was a deserving goal for him okay uh Adam you mentioned that Glenn Middleton changed the game he, he scored a stunning free kick but could uh I think it was Jack Anik and goal could he have have done better yeah, I think considering the, the keeper doesn't move, I'd say that, yeah, he, he probably should. It's not as though it's sort of a posted stamp finish sort of right in the top corner or, or anything like that. It's virtually in the centre of Jack Anik's goal. Um, obviously, last week we were talking about Glenn Middleton's scoring the winner at Easter Road. And like I say, I was surprised to, to see him on the bench, but it's a great cameo as a substitute from arguably now Saints' super sub. So... That's perhaps why I'm not a manager and Callum Davidson could be closing in on manager of the year. Uh, Lewis, what about yourself? Yeah, Middleton is obviously the impact player. Even he, I think he wins the free kick as well. So he's confident in that situation. He steps up and hits it. It's a great strike. You know, a lot of power behind it. But you know, you would expect that Simon Kimmy will be a bit disappointed with it. I think maybe he just caught him a wee bit off guard with the power behind it and stuff. But yeah, not taking away from the strike, but you would hope that he'd get across a bit better than that. Uh, Declan? Yeah, there was a lot of power behind it, so obviously maybe Annex and, and goals kind of maybe not anticipated that it would come that quick at him, and that's why he's been rooted to the spot, but I think that you, you've got to be expecting him to at least move and attempt to try and get it there, you know what I mean? Like, mm. And maybe he won't, but he, he should have at least made an attempt, because it's not one of them ones that's it's curling right into the corner, and it's like stretching away from him, it's like 
within good enough distance for him to, to reach if he makes an attempt. But maybe that's what I'm saying in, in terms of an annex favour. Maybe he just didn't anticipate it coming that fast, but that's that's just his own, his own downfall there. Should St Johnston have done better for St Mirren's goal through McCarthy, uh, Lewis? You're always, I think you're always going to be frustrated sort of conceding a set piece, especially in those like late, later stages of the game because you want to shut up shop and not make it as nervy like that because I, I can imagine what St Johnson fans would be like after seeing that goal was conceded, you know, watching it from behind the couch. But I think it's a great ball in by McGrath and a good header to, to finish home, but it's always the, the mark of frustrate you to tell them to get up and, and win that header. Adam? Yeah, totally agree. Um, I Listen, I think he's a good header from from Conor McCarthy, but I, I even think just looking at the game, that sort of perfectly encapsulates St Mirren's season. I think their best chances were always going to come from set pieces. Um, I think I mentioned it on here last week that when I watch St Mirren, I'm not too confident in their striking options. I don't believe that Lee Erwin's the answer. I think if Eamon Brophy's fit, and he evidently was, given he came on, he should start. I think big John Obika causes problems, so to see him up against a strong defensive trio, which St. Johnston have got, would have been interesting. But yeah, I think I think St. Johnston could do more to, to prevent the header, but it probably was St. Mirren's best chance, even at sort of 2-0 down to, to get back into the game. Declan? Yeah, I mean, I do think St. Johnston could have done better, but at, at the end of the day, like they've, they've played a lot of football. They've, you know, it's probably going into the, the final you know, five, ten minutes of the game, it, it's going to be nervy for them and it's probably just been down to that. Like, they're trying to, you know, just just see this out. Don't do anything stupid here that would give St Mirren a sniff to get back in it late on. And I, I think we, sh- we can cut them some slack just, just because of the occasion and how, how nervy it would have been. But because they know, obviously, how much at stake. Like, I know there's no kind of pressure on them to get the double, but that's, like, history that's never been seen before. So... You know, I'd cut St. Johnson some slack in that in that case. Okay, um, let's let's move on. We've covered both games from the the Scottish Cup semi final weekend. We now know that St. Johnston will play Hibs in the final. Uh, let's just quickly give our a, a quick prediction. Who who do you see winning the the Scottish Cup? Now we know who the finalists are. Uh, Lewis, I think it'll be a good cup final between the two sides. Obviously, I think St. Johnston will go in with certain mental edge because of beating Hibs at this season and they've also won the Cup so I would say I think St Johnson will come out on top and a sort of close game between two good sides and they'll say 2-1 St Johnson Adam? I'll say that Hibs will win it despite St Johnston having that edge that Lewis talks about I actually think St Johnston am I right in saying that they've won all the league meetings between the two this season um, sort of by the, the odd goal I don't even think they've conceded to Hibs in the league this I think, season they, I think they lost one earlier in the season at Demet right? Park Oh, maybe. But anyway, I, I know that obviously with, with my Hibs pals that St Johnston's a bit of a bogey team, I just feel as though this sort of run has to, to come to an end. Um, and obviously with Hibs having reached sort of the semi-finals of last season's Scottish Cup, this season's uh, Betfred Cup, maybe it's obviously now it's third time lucky with getting through the semi-final, so perhaps it just sets them up for a, a final victory. Declan? I think there's a bit more pressure on Hibs going into this game in terms of the size of the club in comparison with St Johnson and just in terms of what fans' expectations are over in, over 
Hibernian, but I think that um, I think St Johnston will come out on top as well, and I think that it will be a tight game. But I just think it's been kind of written in the stars ever since the heroics of Ibrox and Xander Clark kind of stuff, and even you know how obviously we all know how good he was that that game at Ibrox and and how good he was again yesterday. And I think he'll be kind of key. And and they're and they're winning the final, so I'll go St Johnson. Okay, um, let let's move on and look at the player of the year, the young player of the year, and the manager of the year nominations. Um, asked the guys before you know we we came on to to tell me who you think should be you know the winners of of the respective sort of awards. Adam, let's go with you. Who is your player of the year? Player of the year, I I was sort of toying with the idea of, of James Tavernier. Um, but obviously prior to his injury, I, I think he would have been my choice. But given sort of the consistency, how frequently he's featured, um, I'm going to go with Connor Goldson um, for my for my player of the year. Any specific reason and other than, you know, he's, I think he's played every single game for Rangers. Is there anything specific that he's done that you think merits, merits him to win that? I mean, everybody's sort of talked about Rangers, you know, rearguard, haven't they? And and how defensively solid they have been domestically. Um, and Connor Goldson ultimately has to be the sort of mainstay within that, aside from Alan McGregor, who again was in contention. But I've, I've just opted for Connor Goldson because I, I believe he came under sort of a lot of slack um, when first joining Rangers. And to have seen his development over the past few years, this season arguably being his best, I'd, I think he'd be a, a a worthy recipient for me. Okay, uh, Lewis, what about yourself? Who's your player of the year? I think throughout the season, there's sort of been different candidates at different times. You know, as Adam mentioned, James Tavernier at one point. I think Stephen Davis, Connor Goldson, McGregor. Just because I think McGregor, he didn't even start the season, did he? Really, it was McGlo- they were switching between him and McLaughlin. But it's a tough one, sort of between the four. Maybe a few other players you pick, but I think I'll say Stephen Davis for the impact he's had in the, the middle of the park. Okay. Uh, Declan, what about yourself? Who's your player of the year? I think it's interesting now hearing what the two guys have said because I'm going to go for someone different from that as well. I think that in terms of like the, the candidates, I don't I don't think that you could you could really argue with if any one of them got it, you know. I think they were all deserving. Rangers as a team this whole season. I don't think they've really had kind of bad player as such. I think everyone that's been nominated is is deserved to win it. But I'm I'm going to opt for Alan McGregor just because, as Adam was saying, he makes a good point about Goldson. Goldson's changed a lot since last season, even seasons prior to that as well. I think like he's came back and he's rarely made a mistake this season. You know they've been solid at the back. We've all seen how. Their, their kind of goals conceded the record at home has, has been very low mm-hmm. but I just think that Alan McGregor you know I think he's he's like the kind of reason why like it kind of starts with him and then it stems onto the defence because I feel like he gives the defence so much confidence and that'll be why they're performing to the highest level they can as well I just think that even not, not only the defence but Rangers are a team they go into Europe and they feel like Obviously, they need to be switched on, but if if something happens, Alan McGregor's got a, you know, he's he's got a brilliant chance of saving it. He's a brilliant keeper, and I just think that, like at, at certain points this season where things could have changed, you know, I, I always look back at the the old firm and at, at, like the New Year kind of game, and it was, um, you know, the Griffiths chance. Like if that goes in, 
and then you've still, you know, that changes that game, and then does that change fixtures that are upcoming? You could argue maybe not, but I just think that he he's the reason why, um, not the sole reason, but he is one of the main reasons why Rangers have done so well because he, he breeds so much, he gives like the, the team so much confidence going into every fixture. Okay, um, I can't really argue with any that you that you guys have, have said. I think all three have been nominated for the actual Player of the Year award. So, no, I'm, I'm not going to offer any sort of opposition towards that. Uh, Adam, let's go back to you. Who is your Young Player of the Year? Uh, my Young Player of the Year is Josh Doig of Hibernian. Um, I know that the, the four candidates were himself, Nathan Patterson, Lewis Ferguson and David Turnbull, wasn't it? Um, mm-hmm. So... You know, at that quartet, I think Josh Doig is one of kind of three that have played regularly. Um, and I think if we're looking at Scottish football kind of in the past few years, we're sort of aware of Lewis Ferguson and David Turnbull's kind of exploits in, in the middle of the park. I just feel as though for Josh Doig, um, he's just enjoying a, a fantastic breakthrough season. Um, and ultimately... I think last season was he on loan at Queen's Park. Seems to have sort of come back. He's taken the made the left back berth his own off a club stalwart in, in Lewis Stevenson. Um and obviously it's it's reflected in Hibbs's, you know, league position. I think they're on for their first top three finish, I think, since about two thousand and five. They're in various semi finals and he seems to be a, a key component of that team. So it's it's Josh Doig for me. Uh Lewis, what about yourself? And I'd have to agree again. Josh Doig would be uh, my young player of the year. I think we've seen at the start of the season, even in pre-season, I think he scored in a friendly against uh, Celtic right at the start in uh, Parkhead. And it was impressive that day. And I think ever since he's, he's been a consistent performer, you know, at 18 years old, to go into that side, replace a guy like Lewis Stevenson, who's got great experience. Mm. And he's looked good in the majority of games, you know. Even against Rangers, I think, in the games that they've given them, He's looked impressive up against Tavernier and Patterson, so I think he won the writer's prayer year the other day as well, so now you can pick up the De Stefano talk show prayer year. <laughs> Love it. Uh, Declan, what about yourself? Yeah, I think it was, a, it was another difficult one to, to choose from. Mackin of two were both Dodge and Turnbull. I think Turnbull maybe got brought into the side a wee bit later. You know, Dodge has played the majority of the season, and although Turnbull has, looking back, played quite a lot, um, you know, if if he did play more, I'd have probably chosen him. You know, just because it's obviously three point eight chances per ninety he creates every game, which is more than you know Hamilton, Dundee United, Livingston, Kilmarnock, and Ross County. So when you look at that, it's it's madness to be honest, and especially in such a poor performance side for him to stand out and be a shining light in that team is remarkable, really. But you know, as Adam said, he's kind of We've been aware of his exploits in uh, Lewis Ferguson as well, and in, in the past few seasons. So what, that's made me obviously go with with Doy, the same as the other guys, just because you know I think he's a mo- perfect modern day fullback. Not so not perfect as in you know he's he's the full shebang yet, but he's he's certainly shown a lot of potential. And there's that's there's reasons that kind of shows why you know Leeds and I think another few Premier League clubs were interested in him and. Mm. To be honest, if I was the Celtic manager coming in, I'd, I'd I'd be looking at him as a right good choice to to bring in at left back. Okay, uh, it seems to be a conclusive win for for Josh Doig. Then, uh, Adam, let's move back to you. Who is your manager of the year? 
this is arguably the toughest for me um, because I know that I, I, I believe that the likelihood is that Steven Gerrard will win it. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously with guiding Rangers to that league title, stopping Celtics 10 in a row, 55, you know, all that jazz. Um, but I, I can't look past Callum Davidson for me. I think just given the resources in comparison to do the job that he's done with St. Johnston in any season would be fantastic. But particularly when taking over, you know, from Tommy Wright, a club legend, um, in his first full season as manager, to have guided Saints to, albeit a top six finish, sort of snatched from St. Mirren on, on the last day, he still got them there. Um, now in two cup finals, having won one of them, got a good chance of winning the second, despite the fact that I don't believe that they will. Um, but I think given the limited resources and in his first full season as manager, it's just an absolutely phenomenal achievement. So for me, as much as Steven Gerrard will rightly earn the plaudits, um, I can't look past Callum Davidson, to be honest. Lewis, what about yourself? Yeah, I think if you were to sort of look at the start of the season, somebody said Callum Davidson will be manager of the year, you'd probably get laughed at, especially he had a bit of a disappointing start at points. But then obviously... They've what they've had so much success and obviously there's no sort of denying Gerard's achievements. They've been superb this season. It's likely they'll go unbeaten, but if they're to win the cup double, I don't think you can look past Davidson. You know, obviously they've still got ninety minutes to do uh, to to go to do that, and Gerard likely will win it because the votes are done sort of beforehand usually. But I think if Davidson wins the the cup double, there's no looking past him. Declan yourself. Yeah, this probably was the toughest one, but I've went with Davidson. I just think that it's literally took that guy three quarters of his first season in management to become a legend at the club he's at. Mm. Um, you know, I think Adam mentioned before we actually came on, was the odds not higher for, obviously, St Johnston to, to do a double than like Leicester were to, to win the Premier League. Yeah. So I think that that just shows how remarkable the achievement is. Even if he doesn't win the final, he's still going to go down as a legend and to do that in your first season of management especially with the, the setbacks they've kind of had throughout the season I think at the weekend there they had three or four out with the COVID and three of the players were kind of kind of maybe key you could argue so hmm. in terms of it's a, it's a really tough one because obviously Steve Clark who was in contention you know qualifying for a major tournament mm-hmm. with Scotland for the first time in, in 20 years or something and then obviously Gerrard stopping stopping the 10 but what makes me just edge Davidson is because maybe you'd be expecting another trophy with, with Gerard just because of the finances that, that Rangers have not taken away from the league achievement but mm-hmm. you'd maybe be expecting them to do a double or treble and then you can make a stronger argument but for Davidson to go on and give himself a chance at a double in his first season of management is is crazy and I think he would he's really deserving Okay, um, we're running out of time but the Euros are just over a month away. Uh, Scotland will take on the Czech Republic, England and Croatia. Um, there are three players that Steve Clark can add to his Euro side, uh, along with the, the 23 that he would normally take. He can now take 26, so he's got three to add. Very quickly, Adam, who is the three that he should take with him? I've said that David Turnbull's Call-ups long overdue. I think Ryan Gold's having a fantastic season with Ferenczi in Portugal. And if we're going off the last squad, James Forrest is obviously just back from injury as well. So mm-hmm. I'd probably argue that it'd be, it'd be that trio that would 
um, board. I was going to say board the plane, but it's probably not, is it? They're, <laughs> the they're bus. Just, uh, yeah, they're hopping on the bus, aren't they? So, yeah, I'll, I'll say it's uh, it's those three. Lewis, yourself? Yeah, I think Turnbull was definitely one. I think we've been there. James Forrest with the impact he can have in the last. I've been very reluctant with this player because I think he's very young and up and coming. That's probably put. But for me, I think Billy Gilmore now has to be a player that's in, included in there, you know, starting against Man City the weekend. Mm. I thought he was brilliant against them and obviously he gave away the penalty, but apart from that, he was superb during the game. I think there has been a span of thought, you know, Ryan Gold has also been superb this season. I think in a way there could be another spot going because Kenny McLean obviously picked up a, an injury at the weekend that looks like he could be a doubt. So I think in a way there's probably four spots for for these set of players. So yeah, that'd be my three, but I think there's every chance that Gold could get in there. Okay, uh, Declan yourself. Yeah, I was going to say like there, there probably will be the kind of four spots available. Uh, so I think you know I think Forrest, as long as he's fit and he's kind of you know he's come back into the the Celtic team and we've already like we've already seen how how much an impact he can have and you know for Scotland he has been an important player and he's he's played at that level you know a high level for for years so I think that he definitely will be included in terms of the other kind of three I'd personally go for Turnbull as well which has been long overdue as was mentioned and, and running to be a young player of the year and being a shining light in a team that is underperformed and probably the worst Celtic team I've seen in, in you know 20, 20 years or so so yeah he's he's definitely got to be included um, my other two would, would be Nathan Patterson, I know, I know his situation with the, the kind of ban might have an impact on that, but but to be honest, right back to a, a area that Scotland are probably weakest in at the minute, so I, I definitely consider him. And my other option would be Billy Gilmore. You know, I was I was a bit hesitant on Gilmore just because I think this season he's not played a lot of football, but I think it just it just confirmed it for me when I seen seen him, you know, playing against Man City and and how good he was and. A guy like who's young and he's got talent like that to have him as an option would would be key. So I think he's got to be included as well. Okay, doke. Well, that sort of wraps up the discussion for today. You know, we've covered the games from the Scottish Cup semi final. I've asked you who your player of the year, your young player of the year, and your manager of the year are, and I've also asked you about your three that you would bring to the Euros as part of Steve Clark's squad. I think you've all gave some pretty decent answers, none that I can really sort of argue with. If you are listening to this and you you sort of disagree and you think that there's other players that should be considered for the Euros or this player should have been player of the year or this manager should have been manager of the year, don't hesitate to let us know on Twitter using the podcast Twitter account at Talks. If you have enjoyed the content that you've heard for the last 20 weeks, then please feel free to give us a review on iTunes. It's very easy, very simple and very quick. If you are new to the podcast, then give us a follow on Spotify or a subscribe on iTunes. Make sure you like the podcast. Uh, And again, if you you have any thoughts on on what we're doing or you want to see certain things, then then let us know. It all helps and it allows uh, the podcast to grow. We will be back next Monday from 4pm on Spotify, iTunes and Google Podcast. Mm -hmm.